0: This week's episode is brought to you by Sketch Wallet. Sketch Wallet is excited to announce that their brand new, beautifully made canvas option is finally available and flying off their virtual shelves. Not sure what a Sketch Wallet is? Well, it's a high quality portable wallet for artists on the go, designed to carry a mini sketch pad, pencil, and other wallet items. Haven't seen the canvas or classic leather sketch wallet yet? Head to sketchwallet.com tan to see all of their durable art supplies for creatives on the move. Again, that's SketchWallet.com slash T-A-N. This is the Animation Network. With this podcast, you get to tune in every week to hear top industry professionals in my network discussing network animation. Our goal here is to bring you effective tips, tricks, secrets, and practices for breaking into and navigating through the current landscape of TV animation. I'm your host, Chris Wimberly. Thanks for tuning into the network today. If I fall asleep, just shake me.
1: we Will do. we Will do.
0: All right.
1: So we're recording. Oh, okay. Welcome.
0: Yeah, thanks. Welcome to you, too. Welcome to your house.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, our last Ask Me Anything. Mm-hmm. The time has finally come. We got some great questions, as usual.
0: Yeah, they were kind of slow to roll in. I was a little surprised this time. But I mean, we got good ones. And the ones that we got, I'm really happy with to talk about for this last Ask Me Anything. But I was surprised because when we asked on, on social media, we are like, hey, do you guys even want this? And almost everybody except for like one or two people were like, yeah, of course we want it. And then I'm like, great. What are your questions? And like crickets.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The silence came in.
0: Yeah. Maybe they just want to hear other people's questions answered. (laughs) Um, But there are no bad questions. No, no. Only bad artists. Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Anyway. All right. Let's do this.
1: Okay. Well, let's jump into the first one. This one's from Landon Wilson on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And he's asking, where's your favorite place to eat in Burbank?
0: So we're gonna start with the fun questions, I guess. Gotta start fun. I think this is great because he's one of the first people, one of the only people, because there was other people, to actually ask an anything question. Yeah. It's kind of a fun one. (laughs) Favorite place to eat in Burbank. I think that is without contest, probably Tender Greens.
1: It's a good place.
0: Yeah, Tender Greens on San Fernando, right in the heart of downtown Burbank, which is kind of like Animation Central. Like mm-hmm. everybody, it seems like every um, five or so years, it moves, it migrates to different eating places. Like it used to be Grandville, that was yeah, a big one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, there's a uh, there's somewhere else too. I'm drawing a blank on, but anyway, um, but Tender Greens, you can always see animation celebrities (laughs) there (laughs) um but that's not why I like there I like there because the food is awesome um it's really good so
1: yeah it's usually the healthier option
0: it is the healthier option and it feels like a home-cooked meal yeah and like but you don't have to wait forever um it's nice everything's fresh right there I love it what about you I'd
1: have to say mine's is mores mores really yeah I like the sandwiches I like that there's all like the hand-drawn art on the wall yeah you get to
0: draw on the walls
1: yeah so i I think i'm gonna have to go with that one okay that's a good one yeah so our our next question is from yale gil gilbert sorry Mm -hmm. if i'm butchering that um and they're asking okay my question is how fast should a storyboard artist work and what exercises are there to train ourselves to work faster
0: hmm i'll take this one okay it's all
1: (laughs) you take it away okay
0: so storyboard um question so basically the answer uh is a long one but i'm i'm not gonna go into it too far because i think we've tapped on this a little bit um at least in different ways in past ask me anything episodes um but still this is a little bit different so let's talk about it um how fast should a storyboard artist work well it depends on you know if you're doing uh, script-driven versus board-driven, it uh, depends on what tools you're using, it depends on how flushed out the production likes to see the boards, because in some places you're working uh, very loose and quick, very rough, um, you know, just maybe a notch above scribbles and doodles, uh, so you can work very quickly that way, and other places like to Um, the storyboard art to be very clean and exact and almost look like keyframe animation um, to the point where a lot of times we're adding more and more and more poses so that it looks like animation (laughs) essentially uh, which obviously is going to slow you way way down Um, but I think um, the kind of the target that most studios are doing right now in Burbank, at least the the biggest ones, are you're looking at about, um, let's say for one board artist to get about a 18 to 22 page script for uh, an 11 minute short, and that you should be able to complete, or they're looking for you to be able to complete that in about six weeks. So you have to move pretty quickly. Um, everybody's got different methods for breaking that down. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a whole extra, very long explanation. But uh, you have to find what's best for you uh, in that process. But that's what you're kind of looking at is roughly 20 pages over six weeks. That includes um, usually a thumbnail pitch, a rough board, and a clean board and then maybe one more pass of like last minute revisions before you hand it over and then you don't see it until like nine months later. Yeah, did I miss anything there?
1: No, sounds about right And with the schedule we gave ours and ours was um, more board driven. So you just get the outline and not a script. Yeah. But still it was like 11 minutes. So I'd say we give them about the same amount of time, about six weeks, including everything from thumbnail to the final revised board.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. but you know what I'm gonna okay so let's 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 open this up just a little bit more because this is the last ask me anything I'm gonna be very very candid about this stuff because the podcast is ending so now I can say things and get in trouble for it and whatever Yay. <laughs> Um, to people who out there who want to be a storyboard artist please be careful about which studios are you're going to work for how much work they're giving you and expecting you to get done there is a lot of debate, a lot of um, I don't want to say fighting, but th- there's there's some hustle and bustle happening within the union um, about this because it's kind of a problem, right? The amount of work that is expected of storyboard artists at this time uh, is huge. I mean, there are a lot of jobs that I've had in the last handful of years where. The board artist is essentially doing the work of three or four jobs in one. Um, That includes, you know, if you're writing, like if it's a board driven show, then you're writing and drawing. You're also designing your own designs because uh, nowadays they're doing a lot of the designs post board, meaning they'll look at the storyboard artist drawing and then design the character from that. So you have to know how to design as well. You also are now expected to do a lot of um, timing and editing within Storyboard Pro. There's a lot of stuff that's happening um, that's being put on the Storyboard Artist plate. Not to mention the fact that, like I said, we're doing so many poses that it's essentially like we're animating now. So the, the tricky part is, if that's not already tricky enough, a lot of the studios are expecting the... Um, times get faster and faster I've seen and I've worked at studios where they expect you to have these fully realized timed out essentially animatics in five weeks with one board artist per episode which is just uncanny like it is a lot of work Um, and you have to be careful if you're working 40 hours or more you you have to be honest and realistic about that and speak up about these kind of things because I know a lot of really excited, eager students are coming into the industry willing to do anything to get that first credit on their resume. And um, while that is the benefit to doing it, is that you finally get your first gig, the problem is it's tearing down the rest of the industry because, you know, these studios um, and not all of them but definitely some of them are trying to pay less and less expect more work and expect it done faster and they turn to the younger people who are willing to do it because you know again they're excited and anxious and like oh you don't even have to graduate just come work for us right now and that's really exciting and alluring and it just continues the trend and that's how we are where we are now or that's why we are where we are now. So um, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, if you have to do overtime, make it known that like, yes, you're excited to do the work and yes, you're willing to do the work, but it's not gonna be able to be done in 40 hours for the week, it's gonna take more than that. Because either they'll um, give the work to other people, they'll split it up so that everybody has a little bit and they can get it done faster, or they'll give you extra time in the schedule, or they'll give you overtime. But it's so important to talk about this stuff out loud. And if you're on Twitter and you're seeing people talk about this stuff, read the conversations and understand what's going on so that you can be equipped and know what to expect. Because especially if you're on freelance mode, like if you're doing your own thing, you're by yourself now. You're not in the union. You're you're fighting against these companies by yourself. And it's either, well, you take this wage or you don't. Um, and the people who are taking it are are validating that and making that behavior okay. So you have to really be careful about that stuff.
1: Yes, a great answer. And I would say from the production side of things, I can't do anything unless I'm told that you guys need more time because we usually pad it in so that if that does come up, we can kind of wiggle room. Oh, okay. But unless, you know, I'm told so I can pass on the message like, hey, so-and-so is like up to the wire. Can we give them some more room? We'll just assume that, okay, they haven't said anything, so guess things are fine.
0: That's amazing. I'm so glad you said that. That's really important because especially, again, for people who are like five years or less in the industry, that means they've worked on maybe one to two, well, one to three shows Mm -hmm. within five years. So they think like, oh, man, I'm not keeping up with these super senior guys who have been drawing, women who've been drawing and boarding forever. And so they're like, if I'm not, turning out the same quality of work at the same speed that they are then i'm gonna get singled out or called out and potentially lose my job which is not true like you said like there's an expectation that if you don't say anything then they don't know Mm -hmm. and so i'm really glad you said that that's important yeah awesome
1: um so our next question is from brie animator on twitter and she asks, if you're creative but want to be open to doing production as a starting entry point, how easy or difficult is it to make the transition to creative from production?
0: This is also a really good question because um this is kind of a popular trend yeah. right now. Uh, not even right now, I'd say over the last like ten years or so. Um, because with the um non-existence of these air quote, you know entry level positions, people are trying to find out wherever they can get in. And so what's happening is because you can have the least amount of education, in terms of like higher education, you can have the least amount and get a production assistant job, or an internship, people are going for that. And then doing what Brianna is talking about, which is trying to um, switch over from the production role to creative role, which is possible and it's happened. However, it's starting to change a little bit because as you probably know, and you probably have seen this a lot, some studios are trying to make the tracks more clear and more defined. So they don't want to just hire people that are going to leave that spot right away because they were using it as a stepping stone. So while it's possible, it's not at every studio, it's not favorable because, um, a lesser known fact is like hiring new people is really expensive. Like it's an expensive process. So if they're having to constantly restaff spots because people are just using them as a stepping stone to get to these other jobs that they want, which is understandable, but that in turn is very expensive. So the answer is um, poke around to see what the culture of whatever studio it is you're trying to get into, what it's like, I think so that you'll know like, oh, they really want people who are coming into production to follow that path. So it may be really hard for me to cross over. Conversely, some pe- some studios are like very nurturing in that regard where if you're in there, they just, they're happy to help nurture you and get you you know, to the whatever aspirations you might have. Um, some studios are better for that. So you just have to kind of be more aware of it, but it's definitely not impossible.
1: Yeah. I would agree. Um, I think from a production look at it, we can definitely sense who wants to be more an artist than really be in production. And like you said, it's easier for us to get someone who has more of an interest in staying in there at least for a while. Yeah, right. Just so we don't have to go through the entire process because there's also the training you and to have to keep doing that over and over again, especially for already in a tight spot where we like need somebody now Mm. and might need them for a while. Mm -hmm. so yeah it's not a position where you can just come in and think that you're going to be able to just kind of slack off and just work work on your own work all day right Um, we're going to actually need people to do a bunch of different things and also kind of you know maybe not be fully excited but you know at least have a little bit of enthusiasm for it or interest in it yeah so that is something to keep in mind because some people really don't like production Mm -hmm. and then they go into it and then they realize they hate it Mm -hmm. so if you're open to it It could work out. But yeah, it's gonna all depend on like the studio and also the show and your crew.
0: Yeah. That's really good. And something else that you kinda brought up just now or at least reminded me of too is um, you know, when you let's say you do decide to go that course and so you apply to production jobs and let's say you get an interview, be honest about what your intentions are. Don't lie, don't tell them what you think they wanna hear just to get the job because as you just pointed out to you like you can smell that a mile away like you Mm -hmm. know when people are being insincere and it's like nothing in your resume or cover letter specifies that you're interested in production it's all about you know being a character designer so it's hard to believe that you are gonna stick around very long Mm -hmm. once you're inside the the fortress you know yeah so yeah that that's really good
1: so our next question is from benaconda on twitter if a writer wanted to get into animation, what would be a good spec script to write? Any particular animated shows, probably still on air?
0: Yeah, so, slight caveat, or a little footnote here, before mm-hmm. we start into this, um, I'm not a writer, you're not a writer. No. Right. <laughs> um, but we know plenty of them, and you had just had a great interview about the writing um, fellowship at Nickelodeon, Yes. Yes. Right? Um, so... I'll let you um, kind of recap some of the things that you learned from that. And then uh, there might be, if you don't cover it, there's maybe one or two things that I'll add to that.
1: Yeah. So first I'll recommend Karen Kirkland's episode. She's the VP of Nickelodeon's writer program. So check that out. She has a lot of good answers, especially about writing and and what the program is like and things like that. Uh, But in terms of a spec script, I remember her mentioning well first there is like a whole list of shows that I know Nickelodeon personally will take as a spec script Mm. so that might be worth looking into but a lot of them are also more uh, like adult sitcoms those sort of shows you're not really seeing too much um, I guess animated things just because in the structure of telling a story they are very similar Mm -hmm. and also You want to be a little bit wary of writing a show or an animated show that's on air if you're like planning to go for something like Nickelodeon, just because the people who look over those scripts, if they're also writers on that show, since they're more familiar with the material, it's going to be harder to kind of get them on board with what you're Mm -hmm. writing just because they're so particular about it. Mm -hmm. And that's why they end up choosing a lot of these more funnier sitcom shows like The Office or, you know. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, or something, Mm -hmm. just because they pick shows that they know the people reading the spec scripts coming in enjoy those shows. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for them to kind of get into it. Um, So I don't know if they still have their list up on Nickelodeon's uh, writers program site, but it might be worth looking into Mm. in terms of seeing what kind of shows they suggest, even for if you're looking to go into like preschool writing they still have these more adult theme shows for their spec script requirements Mm -hmm. so i would look into that
0: yeah that's good i mean you did pretty much hit on um the some of the points i was gonna make so um that's really great and um yeah i would say be yeah be careful about using stuff i mean you can use stuff that's not on the air Mm -hmm. just make sure that people are familiar with it so that like you said Um, the ones who are reading it can get into it quicker and they're more interested in it rather than something where they've never, you know, it's funny, there's so much content out there now. Like there's shows and streaming services and like there's so much to watch. And if you pick some obscure show that nobody's ever heard of, like it's hard for them to like latch onto who the characters are. They're trying to figure out who the characters are to be able to understand like if this script is working and making sense whereas like you said if you pick the office 90 percent of people are familiar with those characters so you're gonna have an easier time and i love the point you made about choosing things that aren't necessarily animated because there's a lower risk of somebody who either worked on the show or has friends who work on the show who can be like this is all wrong right yeah. like it, it sticks out like a sore thumb like it's very blaringly obvious when you're completely not right um when the people have uh, a closer tie or connection with that show so i love that that was a point that i would have made but you did it oh. very well
1: already taken care of
0: yeah <laughs> awesome
1: uh so our next question is from whimsical michi What plans does the TAN team have for the future? What plans individually or perhaps together do you all have?
0: Mm, That is the question. So if anybody is listening to this as their very first episode, uh, we are just a handful of episodes away from wrapping up this podcast. Um, And I think this will probably air at 95 i think maybe <laughs> i think yeah see i don't know my brain's so fried right now i think this is episode 95 and we're going to 100 so uh that's why um whimsical me she is asking what our plans are moving forward so here it is um the tan team essentially as you know it which is um, myself tiara who you're listening to um and cassie the newsletter editor jeff who is doing all the social media stuff um and helping to also coordinate the uh, mixers and everything plus there's a few people behind the scenes who help with um, the animation network Uh, we are all uh, disbanding everybody's going their own separate directions and we do have some really exciting stuff individually but as a team um, we will have occasional lunches together and maybe some spa days uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. <laughs> to celebrate our, our achievements. But um, in terms of uh, moving on together onto a new project, um, that there's no plans for that, I don't mm-hmm. think, unless you haven't told me yet. Not that I know of. Okay, Not cool. that I know of. All right. Um, aside from that, individually, yes, I have plans. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't go into what they are just now because I'm working very diligently on preparing these plans and setting them up. And it's going wonderfully right now. And just like when I started this podcast years ago, I'd rather get it all together and put out something um, that's that's been well thought out, very well constructed, and um, mean something as opposed to filling your heads and hearts with hope that maybe i don't deliver on or doesn't meet your expectations or who knows what but um but there is exciting things in the works from me personally that is coming around the corner
1: what about you uh i'm also working on things as if i didn't know the answer (laughs) oh i know Uh, i have some things in the works um not sure how much detail i want to go into it now just because i want to do one whole big launch thing i Mm -hmm. think but if you enjoy the animation network you'll enjoy what I'm working on Mm -hmm. so there's something think of it as like a a continuation in a way Mm. but kind of with my own little little pizzazz. yeah pizzazz (laughs) haven't used that (laughs) word in a while there you go with my own pizzazz on it um but one thing it will include uh is a podcast so I'm working on putting that together so You'll still be able to hear my voice in your dreams. And <laughs> that's good. That's, uh, that's kind of what's going on. So big things coming, but when officially, not sure yet, but soon.
0: Yeah, that's good. And I'm really excited for it. The things, just the stuff that we've talked about and that you've shared with me, but uh, it's going to be good. And we probably shouldn't um, divulge any secrets of the other yes. team members. We'll let them do that on their own time in their own volition but um obviously some of you do know that uh cassie soliday the the tan newsletter editor has her own podcast the ink and paint girls Mm -hmm. uh podcast which you can check out on itunes and all kinds of other places so be sure to um do that if you haven't already
1: great on to our next question this one's from justin And he's asking, what are some common mistakes you see new and aspiring artists make during networking events? What can we do better? Will the TAN archives remain on Podbean indefinitely? Or should we start downloading all the episodes before they disappear?
0: (laughs) It's like a fire sale. Like, Uh, should we get our shopping carts and run through the aisles and knock everything (laughs) into our carts? Uh, Don't start writing yet. Um, So let's start with the first part. Um, The first part was uh common mistakes oh boy are there common mistakes Mm -hmm. plenty of them um i i would say uh let me just try to narrow down to some of the biggest ones that pop right to mind Um, one thing is be sure to understand that when you're at a networking event people are there expecting to hear what's important to you what your goals are what you're working toward Don't think that it's bragging. Don't think that you're coming off too strong or whatever. Like, that's why everybody's in that room or wherever the venue is because they are there to help each other. That's what networking should be about, the symbiotic kind of relationship with people um, helping each other um, grow and achieve and succeed and so on and so forth. But um, I know a lot of people who especially are very – uh, what's, the, what's the word I want to use? Um, introverted. Mm. Uh, they get very shy about talking about themselves or about what they're hoping to achieve. And the thing I like to try to remind people is uh, if you don't tell people what you need, how will they know how to help you? Yes. Right? Like that is that is what the interaction is supposed to be about. So um, that's that's one big one is don't be afraid to speak up and tell people What you're all about. Um, And then I'd say another thing is uh, people either don't have business cards on them or some way to get in touch, uh, stay in touch with people, or if they do, they are very poorly designed business cards. Mm -hmm. Um, This is kind of a big deal because if you don't have business cards, then how do you expect people to know? what you do because they can't see your work or read your work if you're a writer or hear your work if you're a voice actor or whatever the case is so having that is really important also if you have very poorly designed stuff um, those automatically tell the wrong signal about who you are to whoever it is you're presenting yourself to so if you have some super awkward shaped business card Or it's too big compared to other business cards, uh, those are very easy to lose in round files. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Also, if you um, have um, colors that clash, like I've seen people who have, you know, uh, uh, the background color and the font color are the same value, so you can't read. If if you're not an artist, the value means basically um, dark versus light, right? So let's say um, if the background color was black and the letters were white, that's a very strong contrast. However, if the closer you get to the middle of that scale, let's say 50% gray, if the background color would be a 50% gray and the letters would be a 50% gray, that's invisible. You can't read it, right? Especially depending upon what colors you use like if you're using really distracting colors like green and orange or something um so these are things to think about because if you are applying to an artistic industry Mm -hmm. you may want to be artistic having said that you don't want to go too far either like i've seen people who have business cards that are so littered with stuff that it's just really um, a mess to look at so these are things to think about
1: yeah and to that I would agree with you know if you're kind of at like the social events like Women in Animation does a lot of those like just meet up at the Golden Brewing and do that. Um, having you know your business card is great but I would think if you're doing uh, maybe something that's like a bigger convention where you're going to be sitting down and maybe meeting with like different studios to get your portfolio reviews or you think you're going to run into more higher up people it might be worth it to put a little bit uh, more effort into it just because, like I know I tend to get a lot of business cards and then I, I'm just kind of like overflowed with business cards. Yeah. And so you wanna be able to stand out against that. Um, and something that I got recently from one of our freelance artists as just like a Christmas gift, but I was looking at it, like, this would be the perfect thing to hand out. It was like her own little like branding kind mm-hmm. of kit. So it had like her business card maybe like a postcard size illustration of one of her pieces. Um, and also a little enamel pin in there with like a mm. 3D print of her kind of like logo that's on all her email signatures. And she might mm. be listening to this podcast, so hey. Um, but it was just like so clever and it stood out to me and then I ended up showing it to everybody. Yeah, because great. it's it was just so unexpected, but also like you can tell she really put the time into it and it was so uniquely hers that I mean, even if I hadn't met her before that, I definitely would have remembered her name off of that. Mm-hmm. So that is something to consider. And also if you're at an event that has like alcohol, don't get crazy drunk. Yes. Uh, you're still at a professional event and it doesn't look good if you can, like, can't barely stand up or you're not really able to form sentences anymore. It's like- Talking too loudly. Yeah, have a good time, but don't have too good of a time that you don't remember what you did or said. So mm-hmm. that would be my advice
0: that's really really good yeah i know some people need a little liquid courage to you know get out there especially being artists being introverts whatever they some people need that and whatever um whatever but yeah i that's a great point yeah because i've i've seen it with my own (laughs) eyes and it's just like well that's yeah good luck with that (laughs) it goes
1: downhill pretty fast
0: yeah yeah that's Uh, good
1: so on to our next question oh and um the second part was will the tan archives be on oh yes online i'm
0: glad you remembered that yeah so well yes like i said don't start writing yet um the podcast is not going anywhere like it will still be available online on itunes on podbean wherever the uh the full archive will be on podbean dot com and um the website for as long as we keep it up. We're taking down all the like TAN services. So if you haven't had chan- your chance to like get your, whatever it is you wanted to get, um, you have a very limited window where you'll still be able to get like, you know, portfolio review or resume, cover letter, spruce up, or whatever it is you wanted to- 30 minute mentorship, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the episodes will always stay up, yeah. Good question.
1: Great. Um, Our next one from Pat and Pending, how has doing the podcast and TAN as a whole changed your life, if it has?
0: Yeah, of course it has. I mean, how could it not? Anytime you make something that has an impact with people, how could that not affect your life? And it's amazing the emails that we get from people that um, just talk about, I mean, we've helped so many people get internships Um, their first job in the industry switch industries from like graphic design or whatever to animation we've helped people cross over from production to animation we've helped people do all kinds of stuff that um, it's like I feel like I've gotten my first job a hundred times over because I've helped so many Mm -hmm. people do that and it's extremely rewarding so um, yeah definitely the doing this whole the podcast and newsletter and YouTube channel, whatever. Um, it all comes from the heart and to have it so well received uh, is such, it's a big impact for me.
1: Yeah, I have to say the same for me too. It's just definitely opened up my eyes, especially I started doing the podcast when I was still very new to the industry. So, and just expanding my own network and kind of learning the ins and outs of how things work. Um, it's been great for that. And Definitely will miss the experience, but um, it's something that is invaluable. And if you're able to do an opportunity like that where you can kind of work with people who are already in the industry and they can sort of give you guidance on what's going on and also give you an opportunity to kind of show what you can also do, um, I'd say always go for it. If you don't feel, even if you don't feel like you're ready for it, Mm. you kind of learn as you go, which I think is the best way to kind of learn anything, Mm -hmm. um, is just on the spot doing it. So, yeah, being a part of the Tan team has been great. Oh,
0: thank you. I'm yeah. glad to hear that. See, yeah. again, it's rewarding. <laughs> like it's this is so cool and you know, we we've met some amazing people that we may or may not have met um even though they work down the hall from us, mm-hmm. you know? Like it's it's such an amazing time. It's it's so weird how you can work in a building same floor with somebody, same show, and not even know exactly what their job is. You know, and it takes sitting down and having that conversation to figure out like, oh, that's the job I actually was trying to get into when I first started this whole thing or whatever the case might be for people. But um, the thing that really blew me away, and this is kind of where I'm trying to get with this point, is um, when I originally made this podcast, it was for, I I always call it College Chris. Like it was a podcast I was looking for when Mm -hmm. I when I was coming up through art school and couldn't find. So I was like, this is like a, you know, a a throwback to myself. So I naturally imagined it would reach more um, uh, college students, right, more art students. And then come to find out, like, I'll go to studios and professionals will stop me and be like, hey, are you the guy that does that podcast, the Animation Network? And I'm like, whoa, yeah, like, it's crazy that people, um, you know, who have been in this business for a very long time love to listen to this show because they not only get to hear um, about what that person does that sits in that closed office all day long, like mm-hmm. they have no idea what that person does. And now they know cause they heard an interview about that job on this podcast, but also um, it allows them to um, hear how the trends and experiences are changing over time in the industry whether you've been in it for five years, ten years, or twenty five years, you know, some people even longer that listen to this show. So it's it's very, very cool. Um to hear these things.
1: Great. Uh so we have another question here from Kitty Superb or Super B. Not mm. sure which one it is. Could be either. Uh any advice on how to enter into post production editing and or how to prepare for it?
0: Yeah. So this is one of those tricky ones, too, where, well, first of all, let's start out by saying there was at least two that I can think of episodes with editors Mm -hmm. on this podcast. So go back and listen to Brad Rosman and Jeff Perlmutter. Um, Both of them are editors. And there's also Alexis Block, who talks about post-production. She was on twice. Yes. Um... And so, and there's a couple other ones too that would be really good that that are slipping my mind right now, but the job I think that's being asked of here is kind of like two separate areas. Um, So there's editing and then there's post-production, but I don't know that there's exactly like post-production editing, Yeah,
1: I'm not too sure. I've
0: never heard that specifically, but... Um, What I think might be what um, this person's imagining is probably more of the post-production role Mm -hmm. more than editing. So just as a quick, just to cover the bases, so editing would be, there's two types of editing. There's animatic editing and then uh, color picture editing. And animatic editing just has to do with all of the, working with like the audio and the storyboard's, And piecing together this kind of rough cut of what the picture is going to look like. Then that's what's ultimately used to get the animators on track for what they're going to be animating. Then later, as the final animation starts coming back, um, there's more tweaking and retooling that the editors can do before they consider it to be done. Um... Then there's the um, post-production segment of the pipeline, which basically is everything that happens with like retakes. Um, And that is a little bit of a different area that has to do with like dealing with the animation studios and like, okay, well, all this work has been done and those jobs the people who are in those jobs have already moved on to the next episode or two or whatever so how can we take the pieces of this puzzle and make it work without having to disrupt the rest of the pipeline who's already been done with this episode for like six months you know or whatever um which I know a lot of people really enjoy post-production because there's a lot of creativity there trying to figure out how to make you know a full picture with missing pieces to a puzzle um, mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty interesting so that might be worth taking a look into do you have anything to add to that though
1: um nothing that i can think of off the top of my head okay. yeah i think you pretty much covered it
0: okay yeah so that's worth um going back and listening to those episodes and i would say if my advice to you is to get clear on the job you're actually looking for yeah that, and that, that's actually advice I give to everybody, because, like I said earlier about the networking stuff, if you don't know how to ask for what it is you want, people don't know how to help you and give that thing to you. So my advice is to get clear on what job it is you're actually shooting for.
1: Yes, which brings us to our last question, also from Twitter, uh, from Hello, Ashley Lamb. Uh, Hey, Chris and Tiara, I'm interested in hearing your thoughts on the state of the animation community and where you see it going, like predicting any trends in terms of content, job growth versus outsourcing, new media, et cetera. Mm -hmm. It's a big one.
0: That is a big one. I'm glad we saved that for last. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, do you wanna start?
1: Sure. Um, This is actually something that we talk about pretty often at the studio when we're having lunch, because since I'm on the same floor as development, we kind of get people from that side joining us, so from the business and working on new projects and things. um, And from the business side, uh, there's like this interesting uh, thing going on where you see a lot more shows going to streaming services or studios trying to figure out how to integrate streaming services into um their networks just because a lot of people aren't getting cable like they used to so it's like how do you keep that audience but then at the same time if you have too many streaming services it's like well now it's I'm coming full circle and I'm just you know I have to pay $15 here for this one service another 10 here Mm -hmm. whereas what if I could just package it all so you have this weird um you know, yeah, it might be good to join a a streaming service and do that, or, but if you, by doing that, it might pull people away from doing streaming services Mm -hmm. again, just because they don't wanna have to keep up with all of that, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I can't say in terms of job growth, I think there's always gonna be outsourcing, I think that's just how it is, you're not gonna see many in, uh, at least the big studios do a lot of in-house animation anymore, Um, or if you do, it's like, you know, only a handful of animators there. I just think with outsourcing, it's it's cheaper and that's where you're kind of seeing a lot more networks going towards just for money's sake, um, which kind of sucks, but unfortunately, that's just the way it is and I don't really see that changing. But at the same time, since we do have a lot of this online media that does open up a lot of doors for people to do their own online content if that's where they wanna be, So, um, if you are currently studying animation and know you specifically want to be an animator, um, you could still do your own work and put it up, you know, online somewhere if you're fine with having it like that and doing YouTube and, you know, staying up with that. But that is kind of like running your own business in a way if you want it to be successful and actually make money off of it. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, what about you? Any, any thoughts?
0: Uh, Yeah, I could start a whole new podcast (laughs) called, you know, like Animation Foresight and just talk about all this stuff forever. Um, It's really interesting. I think we are definitely in a new um, turn of technology. Like every so often there's some big boom that happens. Mm -hmm. For example, the invention of the TV, right? It's a whole new whole big boom and then after that was you know color tv whole new ball game after that was cable tv whole new ball game and satellite um and now we're in this new thing which is um being labeled in the industry as new media Mm -hmm. which essentially is online and mobile content um i think that that's why there's kind of this uh it's kind of being tossed around this like second animation boom Um, Because the first one was back in, like, the late 80s, early 90s when when cable happened, right? And so all these studios were like, we need to fill all this, like, time slots on TV. Let's fill it with animation. Fill it with cartoons. Uh, And then, you know, it started to get too expensive. And they started outsourcing. And then it crashed. And now it's being built back up because all these studios are like, hey, let's make more content because people want it like all the Netflixes and all the who's yeah. of the world like you said all these streaming services um not to mention the stuff that's available on um um like mobile uh what do you call it platforms like specifically like the snapchats and the yeah. facebooks and the youtubes of the world like all that kind of stuff so there's plenty of opportunity um for growth and 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 jobs and all that kind of stuff Um, but I I definitely see mobile content coming up um, really fast. I think another thing is um, the animation community, I think, is getting tighter um, because, like I said, the union, which is essentially just the community of animators, Mm -hmm. are realizing, like, they're speaking up about problems, not only, like, pay issues but you know like uh gender discrepancies or or not um gender discrepancies because you know <laughs> that that's not what you're discrepancying yeah. um but uh 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 unfair like pay discrepancies and people being um um harassed for like gender identity or just all kinds of sexual harassment all kinds of stuff like people are getting stronger so i think the community is getting tighter and more vocal, um, which is good, you know, it drives things forward, and gets to progress, right, so all that's really important, Um, I think there was one other part, um, oh, job growth versus outsourcing, so like I said, the job growth is there, because there's so much stuff cropping up, but I agree with what you said, and all the things you've heard about there's a tricky balance there between yeah how many streaming services are you going to pay for yeah before you're just back at the same problem you had with cable which is why everybody left is leaving cable although that's only the financial side of it there's also the content side of it which is like yeah but we're getting better content now because these um, streaming services and whoever can create the content they want to create and not have to adhere to legacy brands where it's Mm -hmm. like we don't do those kind of shows here right like that's you know whatever um on the other side of that coin outsourcing is a very real thing because the world is getting smaller because of technology so while you don't necessarily have to be in Burbank anymore to have a job in animation you can be a designer like if you go back and listen to um Chad Townsend's um episode he's a character designer and prop designer in texas Mm. he comes to burbank maybe three times a year maybe um and some people are even further than that like i've seen freelancers in london i've seen freelancers in australia like not to mention the actual animation houses which are spread all over the world canada mexico china korea india taiwan philippines everywhere Mm. so the uh the scary part is if your job is next like if it's on the chopping block because excuse me right now it's just the animators primarily but there have been a lot of testing with other shows where they're like well let's see how they can handle the storyboards and then they'll just send them back to us and we'll revise them and we'll Mm. just punch them up so that they feel like what we want them to feel like but now they're paying that cheaper price for storyboard artists overseas to do it since they're also doing the animation it's kind of like just being done even more over there yeah so that's kind of scary um but so far none of it has worked successfully some of it has worked in a very clunky manner but i don't see everything going out there because then at some point it's no longer like american animation yeah right like the uh, concept the idea is done here and then somebody else makes the entire thing and it's not going to have the same feel as if we made it Mm -hmm. and um you know that whole thing so yeah it's a very interesting question very heavy uh loaded thing but like i said we could talk about this forever and we've already been answering these questions for a little while now (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um but that's really good uh but we'll definitely um you know, keep talking about stuff a little bit more through the rest of this podcast and then a little bit more online and in the newsletter and stuff like that. So you guys can keep an eye out for those types of things.
1: Yeah. And that's everything. It's all our questions.
0: It's all our questions this time. Those are really good questions. All Um, great ones. Fun to think about. Awesome. All right. Well, do you have anything left? To, to add How it's are you been feeling?
1: fun it's been fun answering questions
0: it is it's nice to hear <laughs> what's on people's minds because it reminds me of being in that position I mean yeah. some of these questions I have even now like doing this as long as we've been doing it um, so it's it's nice to hear when people chime in with these questions and like I always tell people if you have a question about something if there's one of you then there's a hundred other people with the yeah. exact same question. so you have to like I said you gotta speak up about what's on your mind you know
1: totally agree
0: awesome all right cool well I guess that's it then
1: all right well then see you later
0: all right yeah let's do it